Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. Kick off the 2020 NCAAs on Wednesday, March 18th at the Barn at Cowboy Jacks in downtown Minneapolis. Presented by J-Rob Intensive Camps and Track Wrestling, the 7-7 pregame party will feature seven high-profile guests with connections to the wrestling community, including business people, entertainers, athletes, and coaches. Dan Gable, 1972 Olympic gold medalist, two-time NCAA champion, and 15-time national champion head coach, is the first booked guest. The full lineup of featured guests will be revealed via J-Rob Intensive Camps and Track Wrestling social media in the coming weeks. Event proceeds will be donated to Take Down Cancer, an initiative of the Randy Shaver Cancer Research and Community Fund. Shane Sparks of Track Wrestling and the Big Ten Network will serve as the event MC. Sparks will interview each of the seven guests for seven minutes, the length of the collegiate wrestling match mirroring the format of Track Wrestling's popular seven minutes Q&A series. Come celebrate the sport of wrestling with friends while supporting a great cause. Tickets purchased online include a complimentary drink for those 21 and up. Ticket quantities are limited, so reserve your space now for this exciting kickoff party. And for more information, go to 7in7party.com and get your tickets today. And the Short Time Wrestling Podcast has returned in its oh, semi-original format. Actually, this would be version 2.0 of version 2.0. Jason Bryant here with you with news, reviews, previews, and interviews from in and around the sport of wrestling. Well, yeah, it's been a while since you last heard an actual interview here on the Short Time Wrestling Podcast. I went with the Short Time Shots format, which was actually how this show started. But I realized my interview ideas were piling up, piling up, piling up. And while I do like promoting every program out there, the time to put together that show is after the kids go to bed. And right now, with a 7- and a 3-year-old, that can be somewhat strenuous and time-consuming. It's also more logical to, to not spend my nights when my wife and I are home together in my studio working on a 10-minute show that usually takes from start to finish about an hour to put together. That's if I'm curating the news throughout the day. So if I've got a boatload of interviews that I've got scheduled throughout the course of the day. All that stuff, that work on that show comes after 10.30, so that creates a bit of a strain, and I don't want to put content out there that is inferior. Sometimes you have those interviews that, you know, the sound quality is what it is, but when I'm doing a show by myself, I have full control over the content and the quality, and if the quality's not up to snuff, like I tried to do a show from Canada, 
that was a bit of a strain and travel's coming up. So to be able to do it and do it consistently, if I can't answer that call to myself, I, I really can't you know, justify the time it takes to do that at night. Also news that I have joined the Rudis Wrestling Podcast as Matt Dernland's co-host. We recorded episode 117. So from there on out, 117 and out, me and Matt will be doing a show twice a week over at the Rudis, and that will also be included here on the network. So that is a benefit too. And also be working with Pat Christensen, who is working on developing a podcast documentary type of series, a biographical series for the National Wrestling Hall of Fame and USA Wrestling. The name, we're not ready to trot out there yet, but it'll be a serialized type of format where you get three or four episodes about an individual telling parts of their story and parts of their background. So I'll be working on the production and narration of that, and that information will be forthcoming on that project. So those are two of the projects that I've picked up. And another reason why Short Time Shots has now uh, kind of been retired for the time being. It's still in this Short Time feed. But today, here on the Short Time Wrestling Podcast, I'm going to go out to Barnesville, Minnesota. I'm not physically going to go out there, even though it's on the way to Fargo. It's here in Minnesota, about three hours from where I live. And talk with Dan Cox from the Barnesville Wrestling area. He's also got the Northwoods Wrestling League. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. A different take on youth wrestling and how it's worked for him out in western Minnesota. As always, I'd like to thank you for spending your time with me because you've always got time for short time. Let's meet Dan Cox. Back on the interview train with Dan Cox, wrestling coach out of Barnesville, Minnesota. In case you wonder where Barnesville is, well, if you've ever driven through Minnesota on the way to Fargo, yes, you've passed it. And I know this firsthand because I've stopped at the DQ in Barnesville many a times to and from. We're talking youth wrestling today. And Dan sent me a video a couple days ago about a, a format that he seems to find works in, in Barnesville. And, and Dan, first of all, welcome to the show. And uh, I'm glad to hear about what you've got going on out there in Barnesville. Thanks for having me, Jason. And I look forward to visiting a little bit about our concept. All right. So first off, before we get into the concept, let's a little, get a little background on yourself. You're a Minnesota native. And, and explain what got you into wrestling and, and how you ended up coaching youth wrestling out in what, the western part of Minnesota. Yeah, well, I grew up in Ortonville, Minnesota, and I had uh, four older brothers. Um, three of them wrestled. I had a brother go to state back in 86. So I kind of was young and got in the wrestling room as a real little guy. Um, grew up there, and then we moved to Sibley East in Arlington, Minnesota. And that's where I completed my high school years with uh, longtime coach Mel Kane. His son, Darren, was a state champion in Minnesota and kind of had a good good experience there. And I ended up getting on the podium my senior year. So kind of wrestled kindergarten all the way through my senior year um, between Ortonville and Arlington, Minnesota. So in, in post high school, was there any college wrestling or, or was, was that just still the, the wrestling bug still there? Um, I did. I did go up to Moorhead State. Um, they had interest in me wrestling. But at that point in time, I joined the military. I got in the National Guard to pay my way through college. Priorities were to pay for college. So I hung the shoes up then, um, got out in the real world and and about moved my uh, built a house in Barnesville back in 2005. Uh, we had a really good wrestling team at the time that was on the cusp of going to state and uh, got back into wrestling. It was a lot of fun with a good group of people here in Barnesville. So a lot of people, when they get back into wrestling after being a competitor for so long, usually it's it's their own kids that, that, that they get into wrestling. Was that something with you or was it just something that the local community pulled you back in? Um, kind of ironically, I went in and said, I'll, I'll help out for a practice and said, follow me over and work with the kindergartners. And I inherited the kindergartners a week later. 
So that's how I kind of got back into it. Yeah, a buddy of mine back in Virginia, he uh, he moved to my hometown and went to sign his kid up for wrestling, and they found out he had D1 experiences. Like All of a sudden, now he's on the coaching staff. So it's it's funny how, no matter what, if you've got a pair of shoes on and there's somebody with some experience, they're just going to bring you into the youth wrestling clubs. Absolutely, and we've had a couple people recently move to town, and yep, we've got our arms around them and pulled them in the room as well. When it comes to getting into a youth program, first of all, explain the structure of what wrestling is like in Barnesville and, and basically the numbers and the type of kids that are coming out and how it funnels up to the high school program. Well, it's kind of an interesting story in Barnesville. There's Back in the mid-70s, there was two brothers that um, both won state championships in the single-class system, which was a pretty incredible feat at the time. Anytime, but in the single-class system, it's a pretty neat story. Um, we're up in the Heart of Lakes area, uh, Frazee, Purim. Uh, Moorhead used to have a great tournament. There's a lot of wrestling history up here, so it's really ingrained in the community. So one of the state champions I was speaking of um, had a son, and back in the early 2000s, Kirk Anderson wrestled and got three state titles in the state of Minnesota, briefly was the uh, wins leader in Minnesota before Mark Hall came along, so he had 248 wins. So the Andersons really um, had a good history in town. They're super people. Um, And Paul, the the other brother that won a title was coaching the youth program at the time and kind of took it over f- from him. And so there's a lot of uh, good roots in town for wrestling. There's a, It's got a good reputation. Kirk was a great kid, great student athlete on top of being a good wrestler. So he, he pulled a lot of people with him. We had a team just about go to state just because of uh, having him in the program. And so it's got a good reputation and in and, and the town. So people have, uh, when they come to wrestling, Come to think about wrestling, it's a positive for them. So now we have kids and we have a great program rolling. We do a lot of exciting things in our program and we have a good reputation of, you know, taking care of kids. So everyone sends their kid into the youth room, K through two, and you get this this big number of kids, which most programs do. And the trick um, now is trying to get them to stick around with us. So last year uh, was when I kind of got hit on the head with a hammer. We had 70 kids in the room, which is awesome. And that's what everyone's goal is to get all these kids. But we only had one sixth grader ready to cross over into the high school room. So this year we sit at 68 kids and we sit at 16 in the high school room right now. So we're trying to figure out what's going on where we can get this great interest, this positive experience in the youth room and, and why we can't get them moved up to the high school ranks. This is also unique. It's it's not every state has the 7th and 8th graders competing at the varsity level. New York does. Minnesota does. There's a couple other areas. I think Alabama is one of them as well. But when we look at and you know, you can almost probably replace, you know, the 7th and 8th grade, the, those kids that are wrestling varsity with any junior high room or something. It's it's moving from, you know, what we used to say, the the youth league to to the or the cub. We called it cub wrestling back in Virginia. Go from cub to JV to varsity. Same same general principle applies. But. Uh, what what was the problem that you identified with? It's like, why were they not ready for that next level? What was what was the situation? Was it retention? Was it technique? Yeah, I think it's, I'm kind of putting my finger on competition. And that's where, that's what's spawning the league idea here. If you think about a kid coming in, um, K through two, just about anybody can go out. And if they're kind of aggressive, they can find some success. They'll find the right kids and they can maybe push them over, literally, maybe just kind of power over them. Once you hit third grade, now you're starting to hit kids that have maybe been in wrestling for two, three years, and the and the ones that are their recreational are kind of starting to drop out. 
So if I have a third grader come in and say, hey, I'd like to try wrestling, I kind of equate it to merging onto a freeway, right? So you, you, you're coming on full, full speed. These kids have good experience under their belts. And now you're getting thrown in a random group of four. You might be wrestling somebody pretty solid and not have a, a great experience. And I think that's what's, what's happening is kids are merging into the sport of wrestling. Uh, we don't have a great place to, to bring them on board. And then, um, frankly, they have a bad experience. Mom and dad have a bad experience. They cycle out and we don't see them again. And that's pretty common. You get the one or two year kid. I know. I think my, my nephew out in, uh, in Albany, he, he wrestled for one year and didn't go back. I'm not quite sure why. I think he was in the third or fourth grade, right around the age you're talking about. And one thing it, the, the question is, is are we getting at is the competition for the, the kids that are green, the kids that are not going to be, you know, Tulsa's going on as we speak right now. Those, that's not where you want your first year kid going right off the bat. I mean, I've always been a proponent of more practice. Getting the right type of competition is key. You know, making it fun, a fun environment, making them coming back, bringing the community involved. And that seems to be where you've developed this concept. Ex- explain what this league is and, and how, you know, scoring is different, things of that nature. So um, I think what you're putting your finger on, I was kicking around words, and I guess it would be a dichotomy, right? Tulsa's going on, and don't get me wrong, I appreciate what's going on in wrestling. We have a very high level of wrestling going on in this country right now. Um, watching some youth matches, it's pretty phenomenal. I watched Coach Agum's son last night. Obviously, we have flow and all that good stuff transmitting all this. Um, so it's really awesome what's going on on that side. And I think a lot of attention's gone there. A lot of uh, national tournaments have been designed around that. There's a preseason youth tournament series, right? You can wrestle these big tournaments, but that's not for the kids you're talking about, right? Or I'm talking about the typical kid in my room is a recreational wrestler. So um, along with what happened with the season is it it started to grow. So I remember when I started coaching uh well, let's go back to when I competed as a kid. We used to start the season after the varsity season and wrestle for a month and a half, maybe. And that was our season. Then it moved up and it's now parallel with the varsity season. So we'd start in January. Then all of a sudden we started starting the youth wrestling in December. So now we're wrestling December through the end of March. Then people got the idea, let's get a little earlier start and let's start in November. So now all of a sudden the season turned into November to the end of March. And now you can wrestle in October in a preseason tournament if you like, and you can wrestle all the way up into freestyle. So if we think about that, that's not for the average kid, right? That's six, seven months of wrestling. And so what got lost in the middle there is what is a normal season for the average kid? And everyone had different ideas. So some people would start in November and be done at the end of November. Some people would start in January and go to February and then a mix of all in between. So part of the concept of the NWL was let's all line up our seasons so that we're not overextending our recreational wrestler. So that's point one. You need to get your seasons aligned or you can't do an event like this because one team might be running a three-month season to align with us because they're not lined up. So we said, let's all start. We picked a start date of December 1 and our end date's February 1 for the average recreational wrestler. That's probably the most difficult piece to put in place getting the kids mad time getting the kids to want to come back those seems to be the questions that needed to be answered so if we can get them on the mat for two months we can do all the other fun things everyone talks about because there's there's parts and pieces to that right we do tumbling we do tumbling for a 
a good portion of practice. I have kids doing handstands, handsprings, all that good stuff. That's key um, athletic development and and what's been coming from um, all the big names in the sport, right? And the kids love that. So we, we, we've incorporated that. We've been able to use um, other concepts like ankle bands to get kids scrambling and learning the sport. But And then we have, I say we have the best dodgeball team around, right? We've got <laughs> fun dodgeball. Kids love all this stuff. And I enjoy it, frankly. I want the kids to have fun. But at the end of the day, you're getting a sliver of time to teach them a little bit about wrestling. You're not turning them into Tulsa competitors, but we're getting them some basics. They're getting their basic moves. And then we have to move them on and get them competing a little bit. And and competing doesn't mean every weekend. Um, that's another issue we face in youth wrestling right now. There's three days of tournaments pretty much every weekend. And that's too much, right? So the for the average kid. And then they got to pick one of them. And then we have to try to get a coach to one of those. And it's virtually impossible. So with the NWL, we can schedule one, you know, three specific events for the year. We can put coaches at those three specific events. And then mom and dad know in November that they're going to three events this year instead of I'm going to give you the guillotine and show you, you know, 50 open tournaments you can go choose from. So we get to the the, the three events. So these these quads, tries, ex- explain how uh, the league structure works with those competition dates. So right now, uh, what we learned is we got four teams that bought in. They they got the specific uniform, which is another key piece to the NWL. So they got compression shirts and shorts. We didn't want one team showing up in singlets. We wanted, you know, uniformity there. And then the quad works well because we can run three rounds of dual meets and we we don't use a weight class, so that way we don't have to um, include or exclude kids. But we do strictly stick with ability, so we're not going to make matchups just to get a kid a match. We do strict with stick with the ability, and and match them up that way. So three rounds, three dual meets for each team. When we think a quad, man, that can, that can take. It depends on you know. It could be two hours of duel, or it could be twenty minutes of duel. So with with youth wrestling. Uh, those 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 dual meets are, are relatively quick, but you've also done something where it. I don't want to say you've taken the the competitiveness out of the team aspect, but what you've done is kind of kept the team, I guess, cohesive in the terms of your scoring for for a decision or, or a fall. They're relatively close. As as I guess, is that a means of not discouraging the third grader uh, and teaching them about the value of points? I mean, w- explain the scoring structure and 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 maybe the uh, the thought process about changing it the way you guys did. Well, typical wrestling scoring six for a fall. And, you know, I thought about this because I'm like, I don't want to cast confusion across the sport. But when we go to one, two, three for scoring, one was a decision, two is a tech fall. And we put the tech fall at 10 points because our whole goal is good matchups. So if this match is getting carried away, we probably failed at our matchup. So that's the reason we moved the tech fall down. And then three for the pin is just if someone gets on a run, say you get on a run and we're going for parity, but we're still competing, right? So you get three, four falls in a row, you're going to rack up 12 points, right? We didn't want the scoreboard starting tipping over all of a sudden. And we're sitting there looking at the scoreboard and it's 30 to 30 to six already. And the kids are feeling defeated, right? So it's a visual, it's really a visual thing. I was a part of some teams in high school that, that was that, that we'd beat teams, 81, nothing, 84, nothing, things like that. You know, of course, 84 being the max and, once you get up to the fifty-six, nothing. I mean, once once the duel's sealed at forty-two, once you get past forty-two, you're like, you know, there there is that that you can just see the other team sink, and it 
again, it's not about, in my opinion, what you're doing here. It's not a participation trophy. It's not coddling. It is, you know, you're more about teaching the fundamentals and the joy behind wrestling versus you got to pin everybody and you got to crush and defeat your opponents with merciless ability. There's there's time for that later. Yeah. And that kind of gets into the moves that we ruled out. So when you get into dual meet wrestling, um, and I'm not obviously bad mouthing anybody, I'm just it's the things that don't work for the beginners. Right. So if I go out and teach uh, cow catchers and I teach headlocks, that's the quickest way to rack points up for my team. So I get points. So there's almost an incentive to teach those moves. Right. And I want to take that incentive out and say, we want to learn how to wrestle without wrenching necks, without throwing headlocks, without throwing cow catchers. Mom doesn't like to see it. The kids don't want to feel it. They don't want to, you know, so it's, there's plenty of time for those moves to come down the road. Right. So you run to the kid who's, who's just got the wicked, you know, chin whip and who's just going to pin everybody through who doesn't know how to defend it. Um, you know, you get a lot of those first, those first and second year kids are victims of that. And again, you, you come off the kids are going to come off the mat crying at that age, regardless of their, their boy or girl, no matter how experienced they are. What have you noticed about how the athletes and the parents have responded to this type of format? And, and do you think your retention is going to be helpful as a result? Uh, we made a big stride. Um, we did run the music in the background. So when I go, when I've been to Olympic trials and I've been up to Fargo watching the Fargo nationals, there's always music playing. It's just, it's got a setting to it, right? There's some hardcore competition going on, but it's pleasant, right? When you're sitting in the, in the bleachers. So we kind of, we brought the music in, the parents are sitting in the bleachers. Um, and I will say that the rules probably kept some fanatical parents <laughs> away because we took some rules out and they don't think it's real wrestling. And I'll be honest, that was by design. Well, this so, is developmental. This is a developmental correct. system, essentially. This is not, you know, you know, when you say league, it's not necessarily about to win a champ. This is the, you know, right now, some of the leagues are, you know, I, I like keeping score in baseball, obviously in the little league and things like that, but this is, this is not quite to there is, is what I'm gathering. This is a developmental league to get you ready for, you know, the next level. If you, if those kids want to pursue this sport and be a little bit more competitive, you know, you, I, I equate it to, to rec league versus what we, you know, select or whatever travel teams and stuff. It's, you know, we know burnout is a real thing. I mean, I think we joke in Virginia that one of the best tournaments we ever ran was our middle school states because that's the most kids that are ever going to wrestle at any certain time. And that's the best those kids are ever going to be. We're not going to have a quarter of them or half of them in high school. So um, they hate it by the time they get there. They quit when they're 13. This, it seems like this design is, is, is so they, they fall in love with the sport of wrestling. Whether or not they stick with it, they're not going to have a bitter taste in their mouth when they quit or they decide that baseball's their thing or soccer's their thing or they hit a six inch growth spurt and realize they can dunk at 12 years old. So it seems like this type of opportunity is leaving a lot of doors open for kids at, at a certain age to still like the sport and not just, you know, them and their parents hate it. And I think people underestimate that bad experience down on the mat. We can't eliminate them all. I'm not, you know, I'm a realist. But that bad experience for that kid, mom sees that. And who does mom talk to? Her friends. And that word never ends. I hear the same story about the same kid having the same bad experience for being in this program for 14 years. I hear that same story over and over and over. So the point is, what's what do we need to do? Eliminate the bad experience to the, the greatest extent that we can. 
What about the coaching staff in, in terms of how that teaching is developed? I mean, is there a different teaching model? You said you've got a lot of dodgeball and tumbling and things like that. Well, when it comes to actual technique, you, you've talked about what you've ruled out. What are some of the basics you've found that work that, that keep the kids interested and that are that is good wrestling technique that they feel confident in learning and executing that you feel is is crucial for them liking it and coming back? Um, I'll tell you. I've really picked up on uh, Perler's Academy. He's done a super job with, with their technique and step-by-steps. I t- picked up a lot from Mike Krause. He does a great job running the wrestling room. And I've learned a lot of these good things. So my coaching's come a long ways watching all these others. So when we get in the room, we're still dialing in. We're doing head pulls. We can get kids pulling hard on the head, and they can get good snap downs. They can catch the chin. They can do go-behinds. You can wrestle very physically without using the moves that I, I don't see a lot of cow catchers in college. You don't see a lot of headlocks in college. The guys that throw them are phenomenal athletes, right? So I, I'll I'll talk that all day long if you you know tell me that that one headlock worked in that championship against Brent Metcalf that one time. Therefore, we should teach it to everybody. But but um, there's a lot of I think it should be in your arsenal, you but teach. not necessarily at eight, at eight years old. Right. You know. <laughs> Yeah, and, and obviously we have to teach some things to, to to defend them. It's just we don't want to make it like when you teach the move how you put somebody on their back instantly by grabbing their chin and going underhook, man, that's a lot easier than digging out a double leg and uh, getting your back straight and finishing that, right? It's a lot, it's a lot less work than that. The question now is, you know, there's always things about when you implement something, you, you do survey data, you do all sorts of metrics and analytics and stuff. With eight-year-olds, I guess the best way to to ask if what they like is is simply asking them, what has the response been from the kids that, you know, maybe the first-year kid comes in that never wrestled before, and then he wants to come back year two, compared to the reaction of why why the, the first-year kid doesn't want to come back year two. I mean, what conversations go in with not just the parents, but the kids about what they like and what they've enjoyed from one season to the next? Um, it's become very apparent that we are having a very good time in the room. That's not where we're losing the kids. They, the kids love the wrestling room. Um, I still, I walk through the cafeteria at school and it's, the kids are like, coach, it's, it's really neat, right? That's the fun part about being a youth coach, but, um, the reason we do it, but it's not, that's not what's spooking them away, right? It's going out and having that, that competition experience. So we, I know it is, I just, we've tried everything under the sun over the years and that's, that's where we're losing them. So that's why we went after the competition piece of it. What do you think the most logical progression is for someone to come through a league like the NWL then to go to say, all right, we're going to go wrestle the USA wrestling, uh, folk style tour of America circuit, or, or they go to the new way series or something like that, or, or, you know, rollers events. What, what's the right timing do you feel for, for, that next step up it's the physical development of the kids and i think that's we kind of haven't got there yet um these kids just develop so much at such different rates i we have a a very good football team in barnesville our program's been good here for the last few years we were in the championship game last year in the small schools this year we made it to the semifinals. One of our best running backs um, from a couple of years ago was a state champion. He's our most recent state champion in Minnesota, from Barnesville. And so some of the best players we have on the team are um, wrestlers, and people know it. We have FM football, which it, 
I'll, we'll talk on that briefly, but that's what inspired um, some of those kids in fifth and sixth grade. That inspired the NWL as well. They don't do kickoffs. They don't do punts because they're not good plays for youth. They've altered the football game, right? So they're still playing football. The diehards are say, well, that's not real football, right? Like the diehards say the NWL isn't real wrestling. It's the same concept. They're using youth rules in there, and we're using youth rules. But where I was going with that is Barnesville has a solid football program, and these kids, I've had them in the wrestling room. There was like 12 seniors announced this year. I remember coaching 11 of the 12. I distinctly remember them. And, I'm, and I don't think any of them are in the wrestling room anymore. So what does that tell you? They turned into great physical athletes. They're doing great things on the football team, but their body wasn't ready in third and fourth grade, and they hung it up because they were falling behind the curve and they didn't feel like they were good enough. And so we want to give these kids a chance to mature enough to get ready. So to answer your original question, these kids have to get growing up mature, strong enough so they can go out and compete with those other kids. Some may not get there. They just aren't going to mature in those first years. And we, we know wrestling's difficult that way. I was a late, late bloomer. It's just people um, aren't mature strong enough to really be competitive until they get way down the road. So to expect them to get there, K through six, most kids aren't there, frankly. Yeah, I know one thing that I know Jake Herbert and Andy Rovat, they had their base wrestling system that they preached a lot was, again, the gymnastics, the tumbling, the mm-hmm. basic athletic skills. If if you can't do X many push-ups, you can't do this many pull-ups, you're probably not ready for that next level. And and how much of I, – I feel like gymnastics is such an underrated benefit for the sport of wrestling. Uh, you know, how, how did you go about – adding that the, that tumbling element to it. I mean, how do, how do you get taught that to teach that? Because that's not something that, unless you've gone through it, you really don't know it. I mean, a lot of wrestling coaches may not have had that experience. So how do you, how do you go about bringing in something like that in a wrestling room? We'd be like, that's not wrestling. That's rolling around. I'll take that back a little further. I do. I follow Jake and appreciate what he does. I, I follow every name you can think of, and I take pieces from all of them. I am, am very impressed with what folks are doing and what they're sharing now so i'm very appreciative of the network out there so what i did uh, last year because pre-k has always been a tough one for me i started what they called mat or i branded it mat ninjas so we did it in the fall and what i did with mat ninjas is i brought in three and four year olds and then i brought in the kids that are in pre-k that typically want to wrestle and frankly i didn't let pre-k wrestle this year and Programs are still letting that happen, and that's fine. I'm not judging. The reason, though, it's very, very obvious. When I run them through my obstacles, the three- and four-year-olds simply cannot control their bodies yet, right? So we tailored things for them to do, and it's it's fun, but they're just not there, and people want to throw them on a wrestling mat. There's an attention span. I have a three-year-old right now, and you know my yep. seven-year-old and my three-year-old, their attention span, granted they're girls, but um, which – you know, I mean, makes no difference, but the attention spans there. I got three boys next door that are between, you know, 11 and eight. So I, I hear what you're saying. It's not just the controlling the body. It's like like on a T-ball field. Yep. You've got the kid playing second base. He's building a sandcastle. And we can't. That's where I think some of these things. And I guess that maybe gets to another question. I'll let you finish your point. When I get to yep. that, I, I do want to get to the point there is like this type of league is fine to start them in. You're not going gung ho. I've been wrestling since I was five. Wow, that's crazy. You must hate it. Well, if if five through ten are fun environments it's not a job it's not like you hate it so again continue i realize i interrupted you there but (laughs) 
No, no problem. You get the all gears working, is- man. I got kids too, and uh, granted, I'm I'm ha- haven't decided to put them in wrestling at all yet. But uh, you know, I, I can't imagine keep my three year old right now. She's she's got a little personality, and she's just learning words, let alone a single leg. She's got a pretty good double right now. She did double leg Lucy the other day, which is pretty good. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and I've had, <laughs> and it's been fun to have girls. I've had plenty of girls over the years, right? And we we don't have a place for them to go, so they kind of have to dwindle out. But they listen well, and their their coordination comes along pretty quick. But the the original point I was making was just watching the three to four year olds. I had a blast with them, but what we could do was very limited, right? And then I would take the next class up like a year and then I, I did them for a month and the next month i went a year older i could not believe the difference in a year you know and people that work with youth know that but i don't think a lot of people do like when you have a full class of three and four year olds and you see what they do a year later all of a sudden they can start doing the tumbling a little more the younger ones are not there and then by the time we get to kindergarten the they look like hulk compared to the four-year-old it's amazing those one-year jumps now my kindergarten group i had in this year i have them do handstands on the wall so they kick up against the padded wall it's the beauty of the wrestling room you got a pad on the floor you got a padded wall so kick up into a handstand for me most of them arms crushed they go down they're doing a head headstand and, and they're like look at me and i'm like no we're doing handstands and now by practice four or five Every kid's kicking up into a handstand, and it's really cool to see that. You just four four sessions, five sessions of focusing on something like that. Then I got the hexagonal. Um, it's a hexagonal foam, basically training implement for the uh, gymnastics, and that's what we do handsprings over. So first we start going backwards. I have the kid lay backwards over it. I'll hold their stomach, let them roll backwards over the octagon. And then they learn to put their hands down similar to a handstand and kick over. And by and the first week, you're really rolling that thing, really throwing these kids' bodies over. Again, by practice four or five, I'm basically holding their stomach just so they don't go too fast. And the kids are getting their hands down and they're kicking over and walking away. It's pretty impressive to watch how quick those kids can develop when you focus your energy on there. So I'm just going to stick with that little example of just body control. Um, I guess one more fun one we do is when they jump up on those on the the apparatuses they have in the for box jumping. Right, mm-hmm. we have four levels of them. They're pretty common in the weight room. I have the kids two foot jump, so they have to use two feet, hop up all the way up to the top, and then on our throwing mat, which is nice to have in the wrestling room, I have them jump off the highest level, land on their feet, do a shoulder roll, similar to like something parkour. Well, that's a lot of skills right there. They got to jump with two feet. They jump off. They got to land on their feet, not land on their head. Do a little shoulder roll so they can cushion their blow. And then later on, if they're developing, I'll take this nice soft paddle and just have them do it on the wrestling mat. But the point is just like watching them progress through that, much less learning how to take somebody down because they can't even control their own body yet. So if a kid can't do a handstand, how is he going to go pick somebody up with a double leg and safely set them back on the mat? Yeah, I guess that also gets down to our original point. Now, the one thing is I'm, I'm sitting there thinking yeah. about this. Again, I've got young kids of my own, and I hear you say three- and four-year-olds, pre-K, you know, you know, K through two. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, do you ever have people approach you like, are, are, wait, well, that is way too early to get into wrestling. So, I mean, there's that there's that part of it, too, because like I said, I can't think about getting my daughter into wrestling right now at her age just because 
I'm still trying to understand the words she's saying, let alone trying to be that dad in the corner, you know, teaching her a double leg or actually having somebody else teach her a double leg because I quite frankly sucked as a wrestler. But again, the the age group, I mean, there's that draw. It's like, do we start kids too early? There's the, you know, where, where youth sports have gone with attacking referees. I mean, there's this slippery slope of arguments that are or, you know, cause and effect that goes into starting your kid too early. So, I mean, how what have you done to combat that? Because in all estimations, I might think pre-K is too, too early to start a kid in the sport. So, again, the pre-K stuff I was talking about, I, I started Matt Ninjas. We didn't even do wrestling. That was all tumbling and gymnastics because I told the parents, they're like, hey, we want to come see you. We, my kid really wants to start wrestling. I said, I really want to have them in the wrestling room, but this year we're going to do this. So come see me. We're going to have a lot of fun. The kids loved it. And that's how I kind of kept the pre-K out of wrestling. Now, did you do the same thing with the first year kids in K through two who who probably needed that base as well? Because, you know, it's not just because they're in second grade doesn't mean they're ready to do something. You know, that 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 four year old might have better, you know, balance and, and focus than the, the seven year old. Right. And that's we start every K through two practice. We'll we'll devote 15 minutes of the hour to tumbling. Gotcha. So we can get we can get through quite a bit, and we do the the ladder for agility drill. I put the cones out; they shuffle around cones. We we do quite a bit of stuff in that in that area. So definitely devote fifteen to twenty minutes because frankly, it's fun for them too. So you're building fun in, and you're building athletic skill at the same time. So versus just playing dodgeball for an extra half hour, it's it's nice to build those skills. Um, to the point though of K through two, I am very. Um, clear with my parents now and i've i got everybody in this year it was amazing when you put must attend hmm. everybody showed up for the meeting so i i learned the word must is pretty powerful <laughs> so i got all my parents in for a parents meeting this year um ahead of the season and i didn't hold back i said your kids do not need to be going to tournaments and i went that far because i tiptoed into it before and i just plainly said you don't need to go to tournaments so i have them holding back that's why i had 40 kids with me last week at the nwl because the kids are rare and to go they want to compete and i knew i could put them in a good competition environment so i've established that environment in our school um and that's the way we're handling that it doesn't magically happen End result, we get out when the kids get into the high school. They're, they're junior high age. They're maybe seventh, eighth grade. They're still in the younger league or they break through in the ninth and tenth grade. They end up becoming part of the wrestling program. The end goal is to, to provide the local high school team with, with more kids that are ready to wrestle. Uh, just like football has, has done with that youth league success is okay. Those kids are ready to go because they've enjoyed the sport. It's been different. They're not, you know, you know, beaten up and, and banged up by the time they get in high school and, and hate something. So, uh, from your perspective, the end result, the end goals versus where you're at to getting those goals. I mean, how close are you? I mean, how many years away do you think you are to seeing the fruits of your labor here? It's going to be a couple of years, obviously, because we're still living with the effects of just we'll send you out to a random tournament. So it's going to take a couple of years mm -hmm. for that. I know it is, but um, we're on the right path. And the thing I really wanted to you're really putting your finger on when do kids develop. And what's amazing is some of those kids just are not built for elementary competition. In any sport, right? Right. And you get to everyday practice in junior high, and that just clicks with kids. And I'm not talking about trying to create the next state champion. I'm just talking about kids having a responsibility to go to a sport after school, not go home and play video games. Um, 
pour their heart into it, achieve what they can achieve, and get the lasting benefits out of being part of a sport. I think we're forgetting that, right? Everyone's building for the pinnacle. And I'm like, let's just get kids active. Um, that's the beauty of us being in a small school. I can We can put kids in three sports here. So let's take advantage, get out to that sport. Let's make it a good experience and keep kids active after school. Keep your grades up so you can compete. I mean, that was the whole point of you know, the whole system of being a student athlete, not always winning championships. When it comes time to replicating this type of model, uh, what are your plans with that? How can people reach out to you if they say, this is something I might like to implement with my wrestling club or my youth league? How can they go about contacting you? And maybe, I mean, do you have it documented on, you know, how how, how to run this type of practice? Because we know like USA Wrestling has the the coursework for for brand new clubs and coaches that they've got, their, their syllabus, so to speak. Uh, do you have anything similar? And, and how can they go about contacting you to say, all right, this looks good? Yeah, so that's been my trick. So the reason I reached out to you and we're in the middle of the season right now, this is when people are thinking. When I was starting to get this idea going in the off season, people's focus is elsewhere. So I do have a, the document set up for how we run the NWL. It's not proprietary. It's just I got a logo from the local screen printer who did all our shirts. We got it done. We're not, the league's not making any money. So my document's sitting out. I have it on the guillotine forum. I'm just trying to get people's names so I can share information with them. I have coaches reaching out to me when they find that, the word's spreading that way. Um, I guess, short of giving my personal contact information, it's just, we I got to get things out so people can use what I've already created and, and build on it and share their ideas and we'll build on it as a as a whole. Yeah, we'll put a link into the show notes of uh, where to find that link on the guillotine, which is uh, Minnesota's finest wrestling website and newspaper it's something that's a it's a great resource here in minnesota you guys are definitely lucky to have it especially you know when it comes to time to find 50 tournaments well you know where to go because some places where i grew up in virginia we didn't have it until at least uh you know we started a website in 1997 so uh they'll we'll provide the link there and then dan in the time we got left anything you want to add about uh this process something that uh you know we didn't touch on that you feel is is an important component to the the nwl and, and why it's set up the way it is the document that I have out there that I'd like people to at least just take the time to look through, I, I boiled it down to the eight pillars I put at the top of the document to, to share with folks. Um, and I'll just run through real quick because all eight are important. People are doing super duels right now, which are awesome too. Um, the super duel concept is bringing you know, a handful of schools, we'll hand pair kids, they'll get matches all day, they get the team setting and it's awesome. The only we just took it a step further, so I'm I'm very supportive of what they're doing with super duels. So the goal, the the pillars we set out is quality. Number one, we're looking at each matchup. Um, we might have two kids that are maybe at the same level, except one's like a lot more aggressive. Well, the coaches have to be on top of that, right? And we'll just say, well, let's get somebody else a little more aggressive and match them up, so they have the same skills, but we have to also take into account aggression. So that's a quality matchup. Team. Uh, my little guy, I didn't mention him. It's not what this is about, but he was on the podium at NYWA in kindergarten. Barely knew any wrestling moves, but knew how to stay on top. And it was a fun ride. And he got the same medal at state as I did my senior year after 12 years of wrestling. So that goes back to your point of um, getting started early, getting that early success. And then how can you stick with it so you don't burn out? So we're on the modified plan. We only wrestle when he wants to wrestle. He doesn't like the big tournaments. We stay away from the big tournaments. Um, they're very alluring because you feel like you should be there, but they're not for everybody. So 
he told me, I love the team events, dad. So that drove this too. So even my little guy who loves going out and getting his individual success prefers the team event. Three, the youth rules. We absolutely had to alter the rules. You had to get, we had to get the net crunching out of there just because it, it serves no purpose at the youth level. It's no different than letting kids lead with their head, right? It, in football, it's it serves no purpose uh, to to grow the sport. The positive environment, so that goes back to keeping the parents in the stands. Let a couple coaches run the mats. Um, I can't go sit beside the pitching mound when my son's pitching and scream in his ear while he's pitching. I have to stay in the dugout and coach. I'm pretty close, but I can't sit right next to him. Well, unless you're stealing signs right like the Houston the Astros. I mean, that's something. Yeah. <laughs> That is a, a whole nother topic. Yeah. <laughs> Mind blowing. <laughs> I had to okay. sli- I had to slide that in here somehow. I heard, you know, you throw the baseball reference. Yeah, exactly. All right. So you're saying positive Very environment. Remarkable. That's where you're at. Number four. Yeah. So the positive environment is keeping the parents back at good reach, right? We're, this is an easy access sport. We didn't get into that today. So that, and that does wrap around the positive environment sport. I mean, you can literally, I can tell you not to go to a tournament. You still can take your kid to a tournament and you can sit right on the end of the mat. You can yell as loud as you want. You can chew out the referee. Even if you don't know the sport, you can do whatever you want from five feet away from competition. That's not healthy. Mm -hmm. So that's the positive environment. I'll leave it at that. Um, Practical uniform. That was a big deal. So yes, we said compression shirts, shorts. I put the whole program in it. I got 60 kids. 68 kids running around in compression shirts and shorts. And it's awesome because they can wear it to practice. They feel like they're part of the team. They, they, um, it's perfect apparel, right? It fits right. And it's similar to a singlet, but it's not a singlet. And then when we go to the events, I don't have kids dropping their warm up shorts and shirts to put their singlet on to go out and wrestle and leave it behind. And then I got to sweep up the extra shirts and shorts and try to get them back to everybody. So the uniform is, serves a lot of purpose. On that, on that note, are, go ahead. real quick, is have you noticed there's an age where the singlet becomes the deterrent? Because I noticed that kids that, that wear it early don't seem to mind it because they they don't have that, that body awareness yet. Whereas, you know, that's kind of one of those stigmas. You know, it, the, the 13 and 14 year old is more averse to wearing the singlet. In my, in my experience, because I was a, I was a well, let's be honest, I was a, I was a chunky kid when I started wrestling. I didn't want to wear that thing. So um, do you feel like this age group is you know, the singlet and shirt and shorts really doesn't matter at this age group, or is it something that you're doing to, to see, to be inclusive in case there are those kids like, ah, or even parents, like, I don't want, you know, my son or daughter rolling around in that thing. I mean, there's, there's a lot of new, new parents here. So, um, I guess we, this is a tangent with the singlet debate, but why do you think the two piece is good for this age group? Um, all the above. And like I said, I'm going through eight pillars and, not any one of them is bigger than the other. This just eliminates. If I can get two kids in the room because of the singlet, I'm up two. So we're going to we're gonna take every win we can get. Gotcha. Um, my kid grew up in a singlet. Um, when I gave these to these kids, I said, you're going to wear this. I want to wear my singlet. But you know what's cool now? He wakes up. He wants to wear the two-piece. He wears the two-piece to a tournament. I want to wear the singlet today. Wear the singlet. It's awesome. So they got options. Kids love that. So we have really nice singlets. It's just when you got a 45-pound kindergartner sitting on the bench with his fair skin and his white singlet in the middle of winter because they don't wear their warm-ups, they sit there in their singlet, I'd rather see him hanging out in a a black compression shirt with some shorts on in the middle of winter. So we'll leave it at that. Pillar number six. So 
So season, we talked about that at pretty good length. That's just saying, mom and dad, here's your season. We're going from here to here. Every other sport does it. We've been terrible about it. And maybe it's just the way we've, the sport's just been terrible about it because you can just wrestle on and on and on and on. And the kids just kind of drop off as they get wore out. And there's never a, a, you know, distinct start and stop. And we'll still take our kids that want to wrestle the other, like NYWA, we'll take them all the way through the tournament. That's fine. But I'm just saying the, the recreational kid that's going to come in and give it a, give it a, give it a go. Here's your two month season, clear cut. That's important. Okay. And then I went to affordable. Um, I've never made a nickel off the sport and I will not. And these events benefit the whole school. Um, we don't need to nickel and dime the people coming through the door for a couple bucks for the little brother, little sister that are coming to watch. So we just said, hey, it's five bucks for an adult to come watch. And each wrestler, it's five bucks to wrestle. And it's by the time you bring a full team of 30, 40, 50 kids, that's plenty of revenue to make it worth your while to host an event. And finally, um, limiting matches. I think this is the hardest one. I, I run into this one all the time because I got a beginner and you're always tempted to add another event. Mat time is valuable, um, but it's not the, the end all. So if these kids can get three, six, seven, eight, nine matches, most of these beginners, that's an ample amount of competition for, for their level. So that's the last pillar is just let's not get too carried away with how many matches for the, for the average kid that's out there wrestling. Yeah, because if we look at the high school season, now Minnesota is a little different because it does allow seventh and eighth graders to wrestle varsity. But when I was coming through, and again, I graduated 20, at this point, 23 years ago from high school, 100 wins meant something because you got four years, you're averaging 25 wins a, a year. 100 wins used to mean something. Now it seems like with all these mega tournaments and rotationals at the high school level, if you don't win 100 matches, you're not even an average high school wrestler, it seems. I mean, some states still have match limits yeah. like New Jersey, but. Uh, the, I think the mat time thing is kind of an overblown in, in my estimation. Granted, I'm not a coach, but I've been around it again, seeing club practices like, well, they got to get mat time, got to get mat time. If, if you're at a certain level drilling a, a bad cradle for, for 12 months a year, it's still a bad cradle. It's, it's, you know, the mat time to me is focusing on the practice room. To me, that's the quality mat time. Match time and mat time to me are not mutually exclusive. So, uh, there's a time to get those extra matches. And again, that's when you are ready to jump levels. That's when you're ready. It's like, dad, I want to go to these tournaments. Mom, I want to go to Fargo, Th that type of thing. Yeah. And something in today's day and age, social media affects a lot of things um, mentally across our society, right? Well, let's apply it to youth sports and, and wrestling specifically. Um, parents see their friends taking their kids to tournaments and they go, why did I miss the boat? Why aren't we doing this? Why are we falling behind? It's no different than me scrolling through Twitter with a competitive wrestler wondering why or what I should have done different. So we'd be sitting at Tulsa. I don't feel that way, but I'm just saying, you know, what puts that kid down in Tulsa wrestling, you know, at a high level and why are we doing what we're doing? And then you got to do a little gut check and say the word I used earlier, it's a dichotomy. There's some people on that track that are working. They're looking to build up and go for that D1 scholarship and be the champion. And that's, I commend them for their effort, skill. There's some tenacious kids, but there's another side to that, right? The elite, the 1%. I mean, that's what this sport yep. tends to follow. I mean, we look at, you know, right. when people talk high school wrestling, where we're talking about Blair and Sam and, and those type of programs, which do not really identify with the vast majority of high school programs around this country. I mean, I think... 
more wrestlers are in line with the season wrestler than the the year round wrestler, and I think that's where we lose fans is the, the 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 athlete that goes from from football to wrestling to baseball. Well, that wrestler that was there three months of the year, the high school season, they're not really a wrestling fan anymore. We got to make sure that they are a wrestling fan future, but. You know, it, we, we, we focus on the, the Kyle Snyders, the Jaden Coxes, the Helen Marules is the elite. Most of the wrestlers are, are nowhere ever going to touch that level. So, you know, what are we going to do to make sure that they've got the entry points? I mean, the elite have their opportunities. It's in, and they're going to keep getting their opportunities. And what I'm seeing here from what you're doing with the NWL is you're giving those opportunities to the, they don't know they're going to be elite yet. I mean, there's that door open, and then, like you said, there's going to be the kid that comes in that just transcends the entire room. Well, you're in second grade. You need to be wrestling with the fifth graders. Or, you know, there, there's always going to be those kids. But, again, this isn't about those kids. This is about the rest of the, the, the 99% that are entering the sport of wrestling. Yeah, and we're still bringing very competitive kids. Um, my son still wrestles in it. The, we, we just know. We know each school knows each other. We, we can bring the other kids and they can wrestle each other in the league. They don't want to be excluded from the team. We're not excluding anyone. We're just saying the league is focused on right. that up and comer. It doesn't mean it's development the key word here. Yeah. So it's for all. And, and it, one of the things I want to close with, it's we live in a neat area. We're, we're up north. We're in the lakes area. We have a fishing league up here. There's, the Heart of Lakes Fishing League, the same Heart of Lakes wrestling tournament that's been around for years, and and there's a fishing league. There's a fi- this state never ceases to amaze me. <laughs> five hundred kids are in our Heart of Lakes Fishing League. They launch sixty boats to wrestle their tournaments. Wrap your head around that. Five hundred kids re- fishing, two to three fishermen per boat. It's awesome. I, I love it. But I'm just uh, going to make a quick point here. So there's 500 kids doing that. We have trap league in the spring. So they did very well last year in their state trap league. I love it. We're, it's an outdoorsy area. People like to fish and hunt. So now we have a high school trap team. We have a high school fishing league. Throw three separate sports in there. And now try to throw some summer wrestling in there. I can't get kids in the room to do anything in the off season. The off season is full. These kids have opportunities coming out of their ears, so they're not going to transcend, right? They're going to, they just need an opportunity to be involved in the sport. It's one of those places that uh, when it's the opener, nobody's at school, nobody's at work. Yeah, and it's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm for all of it, but it's reality too. You're not right. going to, I don't have kids up here that live and die to be in that wrestling room. They come to the wrestling room and then they're off to do plenty of other things that are available to them it's the weekend we got things to do but uh dan i appreciate the first of all i appreciate reaching out this has been educational and something that i didn't know that happened just on the other end of a couple hours away here in minnesota and it's something that again uh you can reach out we'll have the link on uh to the guillotine where you can contact uh, dan and get the kind of i don't know syllabus outline eight pillars etc and how you can maybe bring something like this to your state your league your hometown and uh, again i appreciate reaching out it's been very educational Thanks for having me, Jason. I um, always appreciate listening, and it's a it's a wonderful sport because of wonderful people like you. So thank you. The Short Time Wrestling Podcast is proudly outfitted by Compound Sportswear. Shirts, singlets, custom gear orders, everything you need. Call up Cliff and the crew at cmpteamwear.com. Hey, you know what? Did you like the show? 
You want to hit that subscribe button, matttalkonline.com slash listen. Various different ways to subscribe to this show on your favorite podcatcher of choice. And if you're already subscribed and you're already listening and you love the show and you want to support this show and this network, matttalkonline.com slash join the team. Become a team member today. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus